are four things you need to know up front. One, while we are talking to you, we're not talking about you. Your specific situation may not apply to our general podcast analysis. Two, the info we're using came from sources we think are reliable, but their accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed, not even by the companies issuing the data. Three, you cannot rely on the past results of any investment for future performance. The past is never exactly repeated, so past results can never predict future performance with any reliability. Four, there are many kinds of risk in any investment, no matter what may or may not be guaranteed. Look closely and consult your investment, legal, and tax advisors for deeper one-on-one discussion and analysis. When you're talking about kind of the, um, like the meme stocks and whatnot, yeah. would you put like NFTs kind of in that same category? Let's talk and, about that. And also, well, okay. And then also what about like, do, does crypto kind of fall into that category sure. as well since it's all like perceived value? I would love to talk to you about these things. Uh, just so you know, I have a tech background. Uh, when I left the when I left Richard Branson's Virgin Group, uh, I went to the internet in 1998. I co-founded uh, one of the very first one of the early pioneers in cloud computing that Microsoft bought. I spent a long time in tech and looking at value and looking at what is money. Because when we're talking about NFTs, non-fungible tokens, and cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ether, what we're really talking about that's so interesting is we're talking about little bits of computer code, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. all it is, really. It's a piece of code. Now, let me ask you, what do you think the most valuable piece of computer code is just because it has use as the code? Nuke launches. Well, I don't know. That. Nuke, used, nuke launch how, codes. How do you say? <laughs> okay, let, let, me, let me change what I meant by code, Scott. Is that code by Alan Turing, Mark, his birthday? Or something like that. That's like the source code of everything. Remember, you know, the one by Alan oh. Turing. You guys know well, who Alan I, Turing is? Alan Turing invented the, computer. the computer. Right. But I don't know about that second part that you referenced. The, okay, I just well, saw it I, on this I, I, show. <laughs> I want to go back to Connor and launch codes first. Connor, I didn't mean the codes we'd put in to make a nuclear bomb happen. I, I meant software code, like if you were writing in 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 Perl or, or uh, JavaScript. Um, The most valuable pieces of code we see there are things like Apple's operating system. That's valuable code, right? Because you can copyright it. You can use it. It'll do something. But when you look at an NFT, let's start with NFT, Adley. Um, If I had an NFT of a graphic and you could have exactly pixel for pixel that same graphic, what, what is my NFT? I'll, I'm, I'll argue with you on this because... Okay. Well, I was asking Adley first, but then I want to hear... Yeah, from you no, I don't, I don't have the answer. I don't have okay. the answer. That's why I'm asking okay. you. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I, I tend to do it in, a, in sort of a discussion, he but go ahead. Argue, argue with me, Connor. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Because... Connor's going to be... I'm going to defer to Connor. Why, uh, argue sure. Connor will because... be your advocate. Okay. Exactly. Because is it not the same... Isn't it not the same code? Is my pixelated photo of the... NFT Mona Lisa, isn't that a different code from the original NFT no. Mona Lisa that is owned and and potentially? If if I copy your 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 let's call it a JPEG of the Mona Lisa, I have literally copied your your Mona Lisa pixel for pixel, 
definition for definition. I could open it up in Adobe Photoshop and enhance it. I could do all kinds of things to it. I could do rude things to it. And you can't do mm -hmm. a thing about it. But I, really? I, right, I haven't suffered any loss because I don't have the NFT. And I don't know what you've gained. Now, I understand that people have perception of value. And there was that cool mosaic that sold for what was about 70 million bucks. And I think you could argue that maybe on artistic value, the amount of work and years that went into it have some value as art. I don't know that the NFT itself made it distinguishable as a thing. If I'm the minter in that business, I'm good for it now because there are a lot of people saying, I think there's value here. I think it's like a gold rush. You know, you know, Adley, in the, um, <clears throat> in the great gold rushes, do you know who made the money, the most money? No, I don't. And this is really funny because uh, uh, not only was it Levi Strauss, who, Levi's jeans, and, and uh, Leland Stanford, who had the train, it was Donald Trump's grandfather. And do you know how he did it? It was up in Alaska. Transporting the gold? gold? He, had, he had a hotel brothel, and he would put it on a barge and float it up the river to the next gold strike area so he could have the services for the gold miners when they moved up. All these guys made money off of selling the services to the people who were chasing the gold. And these are yep. huge generational wealth fortunes. The gold miners didn't make so it. So it's, it's the services around the gold rush, not necessarily right. The people minting the, the NFT, right. The people minting the NFTs, the people in every the exchange, the stuff around it is where the money is. The founders the of the projects, the people minting, me trying to buy a fat ape or some like a, a stupid giraffe or whatever you want, you know, depending on what it was. Um, I've lost all my money on every NFT. Well, this is just like at the dawn of the internet around 2000, 2001. Adley, I, I was uh, with a data I was with LA's first data center company. I was on Wall Street raising money the week the dot-com crash happened. Now, we were the only company at the time, I think, that had profits. So the first part of the week, people were telling us we were idiots. We were morons because we made profit instead of taking market share. By the end of the week, everybody wanted our deal because if you didn't make profits, you were worthless. It's a very weird world, but it's what happens when you start to value things based on perception rather than what they're really doing. And in that case, if you're going to play in that market, uh, our thing is, well, let's play around the market in the businesses that will make money around it. Now, let's talk about Bitcoin is the next thing. Or, or did I answer your questions on NFTs? So if you were um, going to break it down, like percentage wise, what's like your, give me your, your book formula for. Oh, well, it depends uh, on your, your playground. Yeah, yeah. But, but if you're, if you're given like a general and this is going down in writing, what's like your general basic. Core <laughs> percentage and then your playground. Well, isn't it a hundred percent in the core? And then once that has been so nice, then right? It's, why, why, then once it's it gets out. you to where you want to, dividends yeah, are kind of okay. So it's a hundred percent. It's kind of like goal orient, but but let's say let's say I inherit somebody's portfolio that has a mix of stuff in it. All right, mm -hmm. if, if there's stuff that belonged in the expanded because it's got a twenty year horizon and someone's young enough i'm like to say okay let's throw that over to the expanded and we'll just we'll watch it we're not going to do much with it but let's focus on building that core because that's the thing that you're going to depend on once your career like forces you, you want to take five grand of vegas yeah. take five but, but let's just talk about cryptos for a second because it is important technology mm -hmm. right the blockchain, blockchain. Is happening. yeah it yeah. is absolutely happening but 
I, I'll ask the question. If you don't want to answer it, why do you think Bitcoin will survive? I mean, is it already big enough to the point where it it almost like do you it think can't, it can never not not well, be? It, it'd be because it has enough momentum. Yeah. I, I, I think it will probably be around because it helps to power a lot of illicit transactions. Yes, I was going to say that. <laughs> and, 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 and anything that does that will always have a market. It's unregulated. Yeah, it's human hmm. beings. Well, it's going to get regulated, but internationally, you can't really enforce. But the thing that's really a threat to cryptos and their current valuations is the fact that the central banks of countries of real currencies are adopting the technology. Now, here's, here's the thing. Uh, a dollar is worth a dollar. A physical dollar is worth a dollar, not because there's gold behind it or anything else. It's because what's behind it is the most successful democracy in the history of the world, whether you like it or not, uh, the best judicial system for having your case heard, even though it's far from perfect, and a military that's so badass and so many guns here in this country that nobody ever wants to try to take us over. So the dollar is a dollar because to try to disrupt that would be so freaking hard. Uh, Russia's trying they, to right now. Russia. How Google's hard is it to try and disrupt the Bitcoin? Well, that's the thing. The Bitcoin doesn't have anything behind it. If somebody steals your Bitcoin, what court do you go to? If the right. market, if the exchange you was holding your Bitcoin goes out of business, who, who, who's going to be there to enforce? What government? What, what military is going to You're go saying so if Robinhood fails or if Coinbase fails or something? It's happened before. Yeah. In fact, in, in Japan was the original exchange for Bitcoin and it got ransacked because the security wasn't very high. That's true. It was, it was billions of dollars in today's value. And it was kind of funny at the time because, you know, people like Bitcoin. Uh, but that, that's the problem with the cryptocurrencies is that, is that again, it's, it's that chasing perceived value like a meme stock and, and like an NFT. It's popular. Also, there's a lot of money swashing, swishing around in the system. During the pandemic, uh, people could afford to stop working because the government was sending them enough money that they then had some extra cash. Because supply of goods was tight, where were they going to spend on? So they started buying stocks. And this, this is not the first time it's happened. It's happened. It's a cycle that repeats itself. And the worst thing you do is get sucked into those cycles of day trading, NFTs, and cryptos. Because uh, you know, in my stupid world, uh, doing the stuff that I do survives the Great Recession well, did great through the pandemic. Uh, and it's not that it's the same companies. I'm always, I'm always watching based on the rules of what I think is going to work at this part of the economic cycle. And then we just advise. The first part of like the accountability thing, I think you mentioned um, you're talking about kind of the awareness of uh, like being able to like reflect on um, like your investments, but you more specifically, you're kind of talking about just like person to person being able to like reflect on yourself and kind of like see, okay, am I making the right decisions here? Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just kind of wondering like your mechanisms for, for self-awareness, if you will. Because I feel like that's something that um, not everyone's born great at and it's something that's learned and is definitely yeah. like some people are innately better at it than others. But I think self-awareness is probably one of those qualities that um, like everyone can get a little better at even if they're good or bad at it already. So just kind of your your thoughts on on self-awareness. Can I quickly sure, say yeah. something? Sure. I just want to say, OK, from my experience and I, I'm I'm kind of an old woman now. Um, the fact that you're <laughs> oh, Lila was I, I a mom a, in high school. I have she a 21-year-old daughter. Okay, we'll put it that way. So 
So I know some things. Uh, but the fact that you are actually asking that question at the age that you're asking that question is already a good damn start. Because a lot of people your age, men or women, don't even know to think of that concept. Well, it's certainly, foreign to them. Well, in my generation, it was very foreign. I was going to say, it kind of starts, Adley, I in think. In this generation too, Mark. Okay. Well, I'm not a part of it, so it's kind of hard for me to relate. <laughs> uh, I, I think it starts with the idea of, of coming present to become self-aware. Uh, because if I'm stuck in the past, I'm stuck in my pain and in my anger, uh, I'm not really seeing things for what they are. Uh, I'm being driven by these emotions and I'm probably imposing them <laughs> where they don't belong. And the other thing is, the other one that's a real motherfucker is, is the future and fear. And we can also let fear, which is, it's just the most fake thing in the world, by the way. You know, uh, I also, I also use the example of you're walking in, in the woods and you see a lion or a grizzly bear. If you express fear, what's going to happen? They attack, they murk you. You're an appetizer. That's right. But if you know how to respect something and remain present and understand how it's looking at you, how you're looking at it, and you're, you're working with, you're more likely to survive that encounter, right? So I, I think it comes, it comes with it. And if you're present, it means you're hopefully putting your ego aside. Hopefully. Uh, right. And, and I think, and then when you do that, uh, I'll, I'll go one further with you. I actually did a one week silent retreat up in Tahoe. So we weren't allowed to talk most of the time. And you just had to sit there with your inner dialogue, which is really cool because when you can sit there and reconcile your inner dialogue, your thoughts, so they're not beating you up all the time or making you curl into a ball, but you're actually becoming happy and you're able to forgive people for things because you know you're in a place that's great and you know that you could only get there by having experienced everything exactly the stupid way it happened, and now you have to like it. Can I add something? I also think your yeah. research that you do and like your your the tools that you have and lay out that help you build a convicted idea of what you're actually looking for. Sure, they don't make you. me more self-aware though. Well, I'm, I'm most self-aware. Self I'm most self-aware when I know what my bias is in the moment. I know what my emotions are in the moment. Uh, is, is that what you were intending, Adley? Yeah, I just kind of basically for, you know, sometimes in baseball we refer to it as like having feel. Uh, yeah. A lot of guys say, you know, oh, this guy's got a lot of feel or not too much feel. It's just kind of the, you know, being able to read people and also just like reflect on how you're talking to people and how they're perceiving the information you're, you're giving. And, you know, when it comes to yourself, being able to understand, uh, yeah, like your biases and also like, am I thinking emotionally or logically, or do I need to ask a friend about this decision? Because I'm, you know, I got my blinders on and I can't see the whole picture because I'm so invested in, in this one thing. I need to take oh. a step back. Oh, Lilo will tell you, we're, we're always asking each other questions. Well, because, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. kind of, but that, that's part of it, you know, self-awareness, like asking others for their opinion. You can't say, Oh, you know, I'm not a mean person. You don't get to decide that, you know, other people decide that for you. Yeah, that, that, that's true. And very, yeah, it, it's so funny when people say, but, but I wasn't trying to be mean. No, I, I believe you weren't trying to. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what it's, I think what you're talking about is how and why. In other words, yeah. you're, you're measuring how a person is, but uh, we want to do that oftentimes without hearing sort of the syrupy heroin of why you did that, because that's just 
trying to get me to accept it and go with it as opposed to just saying, okay, your how needs some work, man. Mm -hmm. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Oh, I had another question. Um, Totally like off uh, uh, a different tangent, but would you say uh, from a client's perspective that um, like, I guess, wealth is attained by being boring? Ooh, um, I would say that it's, it's not well, from your perspective because yeah, I, know, I, know I know you're going to say you love it, but no, 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 and, no. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to disagree. I, I'm going okay. to be like the first cousin to agree with it. We actually have a whole segment called emotions and money. And I talk about how being a good investor is like being a farmer, a gardener, a monk. It's a very quiet, contemplative practice. So when I'm doing my best work, it's early in the morning and I'm just reading research. I don't care where I am in the house. I've got an iPad. I could be in the massage chair and I just want to read it. I want to see what's going on. And it's, um, yeah, that's, I, I think when you, when I hear, when, when I hear Massa being boring, I think that's not necessarily getting the Ferrari when you're capable of it yet. Not necessarily. Well, also, like, let, let's, is that what you were saying? Like living in a somewhat boring, more like conservative manner? Yeah, but also kind of the, I guess. The investment like, perspective, yeah. Yeah, the investment perspective. And I guess it kind of goes along. Like what made me well, think of it was just what, what, what I, and whatnot. And like sure. kind of the idea. Ah, okay, yeah. That's I would tell of. you that, that, that it's also like a layer cake too. Because uh, if you're only eating one one section of cake the whole time, that is going to get boring, and and you're actually you're almost driving too much down one lane. That's why we talk about portfolios in three different levels. They they almost have three completely different purposes. Uh, and the core portfolio, while it's meant to power your life, if you're going to create wealth, that's going to happen in the expanded portfolio. And the reason why is. Um, if you want to get access to like the cool venture funds and the cool hedge funds, you've got minimum buy-ins of 25, 50, quarter of a million dollars. Uh, and you're not going to see any return on that for maybe three, five, seven years in some cases, if at all. It, I, me, I don't want to take that risk with money I need to count on because I don't know what life's going to throw at me. But when I have enough money that I know that I've got that taken care of, then it's time to go look at that, right? My my risk parameters change. Does that make sense? In other words, let, let me. This is something I always notice happens in business. So tell me if it happened to you. The day before you got drafted, um, did you have much to protect? Did you care much about where your money was? Yeah, no, not at all. The day after you signed your contract, what happened? Did you care a lot more? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it happens in business too when our startups suddenly become valuable. It's like, oh shit, <laughs> right now I've got to start building these protective systems because while we were just trying to build it, we're so focused on build, build, build uh, that we don't backfill. Often when I get brought in, it's because I build the back. I like to build the backfill parts because <laughs> I like to know. Okay, are we really doing the thing? Uh, so, it, uh, so I would, I would, I would approach risk in that layered in that layered way. And don't forget to have your fun because, you know, is it fun to be boring all the time and talking about your investments or or is it fun to be able to participate with the guys who are saying, yeah, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. You don't have to say the amount, but you can say you're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there is is something to be said about, you know, um, be running with the crowd and having fun. Just don't bet your life on it. That's all. 
Thanks for listening. Before we go, here's a reminder. You have 30 minutes a month of one-on-one consulting to discuss your specific situation with us. We recommend you take advantage of that.